we go through this like whole ritual. I drink, you know, stuff from my throat, you know, drink that throat coat tea and do vocal exercises to warm up. And I'd get in there and I'd be like, uh. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today I have Austin Parker from Midnight Leg, and we're going to be talking about Midnight Leg's newest album, first album, the Losing the Luster album. And so, Austin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sven. It's lovely to be here. Let's get into it. All right. So, I'm curious. This is this is the first album released by midnight leg correct and how long has midnight leg been in existence we played our first show at the brass rail fest last december december 4th actually christopher francis he goes by both him and i got together about i don't know june july last year started sitting around and just messing with songs so it's been a year that we've been writing it's predominantly uh, you and Chris writing the music, and we can get into this later, but typically when there's a songwriter in the band, usually the band kind of fills it in with their own flavor, so to speak. Yeah, and so, that's, that's kind of how it works. Granted, we should just jump right into the album, but I'm curious about what Midnight Legs' sound or definition of their sound would be. I tried to pin down exactly what kind of punk style I want to call it, and maybe it, it's beyond just punk, but I almost think that this album is kind of this lesson in the history of punk, because there's so many different, like, oh, there's The Clash, there's, you know, there's Sex Pistols, you know, like, it's so many um, parts that I just thought, oh, that's that feels, and maybe it is and maybe it isn't, but kind of like a tip of the hat to some of these earlier bands. How would you characterize the, your style. I mean, thank you for noticing. We definitely give a big homage to the first wave of punk rock. All the stuff that came in the 70s, like early as, you know, the MC5 and the Stooges into the Ramones and then your Sex Pistols and Clash, you know, with the British Invasion part of it. We're fans of it all. And even going from there, taking the late 70s glam rock David Bowie, Sweet, Big Star, Slade, to name a few. Kind of want to run that way with it a little bit as well. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't want to be any sort of direct copy. We just want to take all of these things we're super huge fans of and then put our own spin on it. You know, a modern take and taste 
wise what all that stuff before us was in the songwriting process do you start off usually with like a music a riff or like the lyrics or how does how does that songwriting process work i write lyrics constantly i keep like a lyric journal almost depending on what's going on with my life you know an abstract thought or an actual you know situation that has been something i've been dealing with or going through just on a whim that day i'll write like a whole structured song which doesn't mean that's how it's always gonna be it just this will be like what i have and i'll bring that to chris or he'll bring me a riff and we're like all right let's see if we can marry something together because he's got riffs like stored in his phone for days and (laughs) i got the lyrics so when we do this it usually happens pretty organically aside from like first sitting down we never were like all right let's do this let's write we haven't gotten to that point yet it just we're getting a repertoire everything kind of just came as it it did after the initial being like hey we need some songs to play we just match it up and we're both very flexible on how we can you know manipulate what we have to work with each other i guess why don't we just launch into the first song on this ep out of my way and i'm sorry i totally out of my way because I was like, out of my way. Like, just, oh, yeah, as, as, uh, there wasn't meant yeah. to be that proper. <laughs> I know. But, you know, it's just like, it's interesting to me in terms of the crafting of when you pick the songs that you want to actually record and put into an album is maybe the particular order and exactly what the overall theme or is it just going to be a collection of songs so i'm curious you know out of my way is there's no how do i say this there's no ramping up it just it's right there there's not and and i'm curious about the choice of that song as the opener so to speak well we wanted to kick you in the teeth right away this whole album but that song in particular when it was initially it meant something completely different where i was at in my life when i wrote the lyrics to that i was in a very like grandiose place i thought of just reliving my younger days of just like you know hey i'm i'm going out you know i'm getting dressed up i'm gonna go out on the town so you know get out of my way i'm just i'm here and nobody can stop me but it actually kind of transformed because the more I've gone through life changes, I realized I've been in my own way a lot. And actually, Chris really helped me realize that that's kind of how the meaning kind of shifted. A lot like the name, our, okay, our band yeah. name also. We can get back to that. I realized that a lot of my problems were caused because I just needed to get out of my way. You can hear kind of faintly on the the end of the track where there's a backup chris is doing this it's like excuse me excuse me can you get out of my way please like basically i think it's like talking to yourself i'm just curious uh, are there any particular lyrics i mean you mentioned some particular words that were in the song that changed but i'm curious what part of the song like the meaning changed for you as as you know now that you're out performing it and and was it in the process of writing it, the, the words changed. 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wondering where that line is. You know, I had the idea so set in my head because I ended up having to write one more verse to it. When I wrote that other verse, you know, we had the song nailed. I needed lyrics for one more. And the way I wrote about it, I didn't even think. I just wrote what I was feeling. Because the first two verses, you know, they're like, look at me, watch out, you know, like, if you don't get out of my way, you know, like, it, it's going to be bad for you. You know, and then at the end, it pretty much is saying, instead of getting rowdy and crazy, it's like, I'm going to take care of it on stage. Strap your six string on and give it a strum. Just playing out to feed the ears of the young. About to start playing, so let's lower the lights. Amps, pedals, mics is how we end all our fights. Because anymore, I don't have to go out and fight like I used to. I used to be a big fighter when I was partying. Did all sorts of you know, stuff that just wasn't necessary. Now it's like, I can still party and have a good time, but I don't need to get loaded and I do it by playing on stage. One of the things that I actually love, like the pre-chorus, the way that it ramps it up with the background ahs and even like the ascension of, I guess, the background. How did you pick that lead up into the chorus? And and it's just, there's this great kind of, it builds the energy just before you hit that chorus. Honestly, it is too bad that Francis wasn't feeling well today because all that was him. Mm. I tried to go about it with a different idea. I was thinking more of like this gang vocal that was going to be like very reminiscent of old boy type, mm-hmm. like, uh, like Cockney Rejects type stuff. Chris did a lot of layering with that. I love it. It sounds great to me. I mean, it's a great intro to to the album. And, and next, following that, is the is the TTT or the Tattooed Temptress, if I understood correctly. What? Tantalizing Tattooed Temptress. Tantalizing. Okay, I I'm bad with I'm so bad with lyrics. So that's anyway, okay. The Tantalizing Tattooed Temptress. It's kind of a a shift. There's like the blues roots of punk. Yeah, that, that appears in there. So you've got kind of the walking bass line. Yeah, um, that 12 bar it, blues riff. Yeah. Like, and so I'm curious, how did that come about? But again, great use of like the background, the the la 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 or na na na. It's, you know, um, it's it's so very, I don't know, it just, it, it's reminiscent and I can't necessarily put my finger on like the, like that particular style and say like, this this is the band that it reminds me of, but I know I've heard that kind of sound. Yeah, it's great. that's it's not a uncommon thing, and that's like another homage that we're paying there. We all love Johnny Thunders and the New York Dolls, so a lot of that stuff on this song comes from that. I had been listening to a song by a band called the River City Rebels. They have this song that's kind of. Similar subject matter is this song. It's like about a girl. I couldn't get this riff out of my head. And I was like, I was like, you know, these kinds of riffs, Chris. And he, I know I keep going back and forth between Chris and Francis. I call him Chris, but he likes, he likes to go by Francis, but I've known him for like 20 years and that's how I was introduced to him. And then he just started playing something and it just, you know, it was different, but of that same vein. And then I was just like, I've got a song for this. I wrote the song back when I was like my early 20s. 
I don't know. It's it's a nice shift from the out of my way and then into the. I mean, you're even there's an even an organ in there. Yes, and it's just got yep. that. Tyler plays uh, the keys on that. There's a riff. There's the lyrics, and then do you create the melody for the vocals? Then I just let it flow. Mm. Like it, I just match wherever the tune sits at the time, and I usually try to match to it and if not we work it out chris is kind of the maestro he's the conductor but at the same time like once it's written we all really i mean our rhythm section holds it down like tyler and nico are so solid they work together in bands before so they they know each other well and tyler's just he's just a maniac it's like 26 or 27 he's the young one so, like, he just has that ADD energy. Talking about the rhythm section, I want to jump into Delusions of Grandeur, which I know that this jumping to the end of the song, but it's also, it's kind of interlaced throughout is, is some of the tom work mm-hmm. on that and that drum. It's just, there's something about it that it works kind of, in some ways it works in contrast to what's going on, but then it also, like, supplements what's going on, which... I just love, I guess that's not really a question, that's just kind of a statement that I noticed. <laughs> One of the things that I like actually as part of the recording process is the vocals are doubled. Mm-hmm. Is that you and Francis? Or on, that one, doing- on that one, it's just doubles me. All the ambiance in the background, the like oohs and ahs in the background, that's backups done by Chris. But the, the lead vocal is... That's me doubling up. Because I, I feel like that adds some really nice sound. And, I, and I'm guessing if you if you do this live, you have someone doubling you or no? No. Just, okay. I, I don't know what it was. That song was tricky to record because we had to really beef it up, mm-hmm. you know, with those dual vocals, all the background stuff. Live, we play it a little faster, a little longer with that tom work at the end, like Chris will fade out, and then it'll go measure, and then Nico will fade out, but then they'll like each come in and on the fourth beat or whatever it is, and it's it's nicely nicely nice. put together. Nice, and, and, and is there, um, I, I feel like this is a question for Francis, but there's, there's a, a couple of spots in there where the, guitar is is doubled and i don't know if it's actually like a, a a guitar effect that's doing it that's kind of creating a harmony at the same time i highly doubt it okay there's there's a lot of guitar parts he just little things he put in there little accompaniments that were just precisely thought out in place like mm. i'm a very novice guitar player like i can hush around but same so <laughs> i i know enough what's going on to know how to keep time with whatever. <laughs> right. So. Right. Jumping into the next song, Just a Friend, I feel like this is the song, you know, and, and if you look at it in terms of number of songs and kind of a trajectory, this is like the middle of the album, mm-hmm. right? So it's yeah. kind of this chill, chiller. I mean, yeah. it's, I want to say that there's, uh, the guitars are a little bit cleaner, but there's still, there's still a nice grit to them. But that guitar part coming in is so... It's just nice. It's it's the yeah. harmonies that are happening in those chords are just great. Yeah. It's like a six-string blanket, you know, and just warms you up. <laughs> I, I really just thought of that as like a chilling down and like, was that intentional to throw that chilling down tune like midway through or? Well, for sure, yeah. You know, that's not, 
that's not what we want to show you at first and that's not what we want to leave you with but it we do love this song yeah it means a lot it's got a really good groove to it i love watching nico when we play this because he just starts rocking back and forth and like has this cool little like hip swivel he does with his bass you know just swinging we thought middle would be perfect for it give you kind of like not that you need a break but it's just the perfect spot to put it because it just gives you time to sit back and kind of groove and yeah that's it's actually like a crowd favorite Mm. a lot a lot of the people at the shows are like that's the one they scream out and do you usually put that like middle of the set or Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah we we do the same thing we do a tuning break right before that Mm -hmm. and then just ease back into it second half of the set you know we we go through the set you know kind of like the ramones just back to back to back Mm -hmm. you know i don't do a whole lot of talking in between we just let the music speak for itself you said you know when you actually perform you you just go back to back to back in this album there's some you know i i want to say there's like some fillers or fillers that you throw in um kind of to set the mood or even make it seem as if there's there's more people or or i don't know it's just interesting some guitar noises and you know just like kind of the the amp just humming along or, or or like glass breaking and things like that. Yeah, so I, I was curious about like some of the decisions to do that. Once again, a lot of them came naturally, pretty organic. I, there's one, I forget what it's on, but there's one where Chris has like just a really slow, like where he's just pulling his fingers off the strings, but it's like he's doing it really slow. And it just it takes up a couple of seconds, and it's just like that's supposed to be like that. Even if it was or wasn't, I never even asked him about it. Like it's the end of the song, and you're finally just letting go of the... Yeah, yeah you know, you're just kind of like taking your breath, you know, like just yeah. letting your final breath out. You know, jumping into Give It a Rest... This one, I just thought clat, the clash, you know, kind of that feel a little bit, a little bit of the poppy kind of sound that you associate with the clash a little bit of, I mean, they, they have, the clash tends to be, has more of that melodic quality in the vocals that you think of in terms of with, with like more of the pop, pop line. This is the one that has that ascension kind of playing in yeah. through there. Let's talk a little bit about how this song came together. This was actually the first song Chris and I put together. This one was, uh, honestly, I just randomly went through my book, opened a page and put my finger down. And I was like, all right, let's try this one. I think he asked me like he usually does. He's like, how does it sound? You know, like, how does it go? And then I'll just kind of sing talk. Honestly, it came together really fast. Like when we did this, when we had a verse and a chorus to this, it was like, I was like, okay. Because even though I've known Francis for 20 years, I'd never played music with him before. I had been looking to start, you know, a music project because it had been over 10 years since I've done anything. Mm. Someone I know that I used to work with grew up with him. And I was like, hey, you know that guitar player dude, Chris, right? Yeah, just I was like, is this going to work? You never know, especially with me not being able to, like, come up with the riffs myself, you know, being able to speak in, like, chords and all that. Like, I'm just sitting there going, it just, it worked. So that was when I knew I was like, all right, I'm going to work with this dude. Since you brought it up, tell me a little bit about that 
I mean, if you don't, if you're not comfortable or whatever, um, about the 10 year gap, like what, what made you want to come back to music and like decide that you wanted to do that again? I had quite the journey. I'm still on it. You know, I started going to shows and hanging out and partying and stuff when, you know, pretty young. I was 13 when I went to my first show. And, you know, as soon as I started going, I started drinking and stuff. And that continued. And over the years, it became more about the drinking than it did about anything else. And it affected all parts of my life. Severe alcoholic, drug addict for better part of 25 years when i had been in my last band it was just like the way it ended it ended badly and i just kind of washed my hands with it and was like okay i'm just gonna party and i did you know i go to shows of course but it got so bad that i mean i i had liver failure i almost died i ended up having to give it all up it was a real hard hard thing to do uh didn't think it, it could be done. You know, I was so reliant on it. It's how I grew up. Like, everyone in my family is an alcoholic. And I got some help, and I was able to knock it off. And hmm. I'm still, you know, working on right. living life like that every day. But it got enough time had passed, and be like, man, I don't know anything going on here. And there needs to be good music in this town. What can I do to help? And what can I do to let my creative juices flow again because i started to have feelings again mm. like i was just a numb shell for so so long when i was able to start feeling again i was like i need to put this out in the world just to kind of clarify you had some of the lyrics were there were some of those lyrics written before this journey began or like uh, there's there's uh you know stuff i've taken that uh, ideas i've had in my head for 20 years or more you know yeah. little things here and there that you know i had in old bands that i never did anything with or took parts of that rearranged it and recycled mm. it and made it a new thing and my part in, of it is all like a recycled collective of you know my past and i find it interesting as you know uh, going back to the first song talking about out of my way that you've reevaluated kind of what this song actually means. And I think in some ways you just getting back into music is also redefining what music means to you. Right. So it doesn't, you know, most I, definitely it's, it's interesting to see that this is, is also kind of giving that, that same kind of sense of reevaluation. I mean, you, <laughs> the, the title of the album is losing the luster. And I, I'm, I'm sure that there's, that idea of, you know, I'm not sure, but my interpretation is, you know, you, there's, there's this idea that this approach or way to look at, at life has a certain kind of luster to it, but in, in reevaluating it, it, you realize that it doesn't have that luster that it once had. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming a lot in terms of what's happening, but it's, um, you're in the same ballpark. The luster for me was that, allure of bright lights and stardom with you know parties and you know women and drugs and alcohol and you know like the rock star dream whatever you know that means to you when all you're doing is just existing living for your next you know fix it loses its luster 
after you do that for long enough. It's a, it's actually taken from one of the songs. I remember hearing it, and I should have written it down. But which song is it? It's an attic. Okay, because I was just gonna, I was, um, I was guessing that, but I wasn't sure. Going into the second to last song, attic, that has this very like Sex Pistols. I mean, it just to me, it just hits me as Sex Pistols, and as much as the intro going into an album is important. I feel like also how you leave the listener is just as important. Like what's going to make them want to listen and take that journey again from beginning to end. And I feel like Addict and then Time to Go has that like send off, but also like, hey, come on back, you know, at some point. So I'm just curious, like the choice of Addict that like second to last, what was that choice about? I don't know if I ever even thought about it. I think... A lot of how this order is kind of goes by how our set list goes. Mm. Like, a lot of the songs, like, they'll end with the same key as the next song begins. You talk about the the journey of the albums. Out of my way. You know, you're going out. This is, you know, this big deal. Look at me. Get out of my way. I'm a big deal. You know, kind of like a romantic rendezvous. Delusions There's you know finding out that that person is not who you thought they're a little bit a little bit crazy with the crazy eyes yes <laughs> that was a big thing for trying to find love you know i think for a long time it was either just a night with some tattoo girl finding out someone's crazy or getting it wrong and just being like well i guess you're just my friend so then after that you know you just got to give it a rest that basically means like letting go what are you letting go from the fact that you know you're an addict yeah i I didn't even mean for any of these really to sync up when i was writing lyrics we all choose these songs together like this is not any one person's thing so i don't speak for any of my bandmates i'm speaking on behalf of them right Mm -hmm. now like because they're not here but i'm not speaking for them as far as you know i'm just letting you know what everything means to me that's why I want to chat with chat with you about yeah. this album and and find your take on it. So, time to go. I I feel like this is one of the songs that I feel like encapsulates that idea of like early punk, where it's just like yeah, minute minute and a half most. You know, get in, get out, just hit it hard, and it's a perfect closer for a punk album. I feel like the only thing I would say is the. I mean, yes, it is the get in, get out kind of thing, but it's also, I wish I knew where to take that energy that gets created in that last song. You know what I mean? And that's just maybe more of me in my own, how I like to listen to music. But I still feel that it fits that kind of emulates that pent up energy too, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, that's like early 80s kind of got more of that kind of vibe to it. You know, like whether it be New York or California, you know, bands that were just in and out, you know, whether it's Black Flag or Fear or Circle Jerks. That's what I've always got from this song. Now, this one, Chris wrote entirely Mm. like he wrote the lyrics he wrote the riff of course the the other guys write their parts yeah that's that's why chris and i both sing it because since i don't play an instrument i just don't want to be standing on stage 
not doing right. anything. So yeah. that one's his baby, but I feel all of it too. It's a lot like give it a rest. It's just time to go, letting go, just knowing when is enough. You got to know when to, to call it for the day. You yeah. know, and, and, like we all got to sleep at some point. You know, we've talked about this song. Now let's talk about getting this recorded. If I understand correctly, this was all home recorded with Francis. Yes. Doing the we, doing the recording. He has, you know, his own studio. He calls it Crux Recording. Yeah, it's all his equipment. We spent the duration of, you know, good few months. I think we started in January and you know released it in august but you know it's funny because the rhythm was done in like less than two weeks it would have been quicker but they just went and they did it on the days you know it probably took longer to set up the mics for the drums than it did to record the whole thing nico came in and knocked his parts out chris had some scratch tracks that he had just so I could hear it, but I had been in the studio for so long. And whenever I did it before, I was always so drunk. It was never as good as it could have been. But the one thing was, it gave me the confidence to do it. I don't get stage fright. Like, I feed off the crowd. But I get recording fright, I guess is what you call it. Like, if I don't have eyes on me... Like, and I'm just in a room with headphones on, and I can hear myself talking, hear my actual voice and how it sounds. I I get freaked out. So, I was like, holy shit, you know, like, what do I do? So, it took me a while to find my voice in the studio. So, I really held this up on this a long time. There is something about, you know, having, having the studio that just, I don't know, sometimes it can also, like, suck all the energy out of a good song right yeah and and i it's so how did you end up overcoming that or did you just continue to just say like fuck it well or what you know we we had so many days where like i'm in school i work you know i've got you know alcoholics anonymous i help take care of my grandmother like i've got a lot of things going on but saturdays are kind of my free day so Chris and I would be like, all right, Saturday, 10 o'clock, we're going to get started. We'd go through this like whole ritual. I'd drink, you know, stuff from my throat, you know, drink that throat coat tea and do vocal exercises to warm up. And I'd get in there and I'd be like, Ugh. I mean, I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't get a peep out hardly. This went on quite a few times. And then it was like trying to be like, okay, we'll try to do it real quick, like, in an evening, see if we can get one done. You know, I think I was just trying to go in there and wanting to knock it all out, mm. which I don't know. But it wasn't until, like, one day when my my girlfriend came over and, like, I don't know, something about her being there just, like, calmed me down. Mm. And I, it was when I was able to get my first keeper an audience of one right so you might have had a little i don't, I don't know just, yeah just guessing w- on that. which is weird because i give a shit about what so 
few people think she's probably the most in the world that I care what they think of me. Right. So, like, I'm doing, like, the hardest thing I, I can think of to do, you know, that thing I'm probably the most critical of. And, but, I mean, that just, that just shows me that, you know, she's, huh. she's it for me. You were playing against scratch tracks. The rhythm section came in later. No, no click track, anything like that. I'm just well. No, the uh, there was a scratch guitar track. Then they recorded the rhythm, and then I came in. Gotcha. Okay. So and then after I was all said and done, Chris disappeared for a while. <laughs> Our last show we played before our release party was june 6th at the rose bowl mm. and then we didn't do anything till the release party chris like locked himself up and just you know worked i think he about went mad because <laughs> he oh. just he didn't communicate with the outside world as far as i know i mean i'm sure he left the house to go get food and right you know whatnot but didn't hear much from him and then it's just like Every once in a while, I'd get a text with, like, the new version of it and be like, what is going on here? Like, when he was all done, you know, we figured out the logistics of who was going to mix it and who was going to master it and went went into the whole post-production. Yeah, and, and what was the release date on, on that? August 12th. Kind of to, to cap this off, I just wanted to mention kind of what, uh, what my favorite part of the album was on TTT, I think there's this line of soaking up the ink all damn night. And I don't know what it, I don't know what it is about that. And, and maybe in some ways, I'm not sure I completely understand, but I, it gives me this great visceral feeling of like, what, you know, what does that mean? And like, even from observing someone or being that person myself, I I just it 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 just struck me as I I just love that line. That's all I'm saying. So <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely a revision to that song because originally when I was like 22 and wrote that song, it was borderline pornographic. <laughs> like it was a very very dirty song. The guys were like, "Hey man, like not to be a prude or anything, but." You think there's anything to, you know, innuendos and uh, being a little more discreet about it? And I was just like, oh, well, whatever. But then, like, started rewriting and I was like, no, this is better. So, uh, and I, I don't even remember what the original line was anymore, but we changed it to soaking up the ink all goddamn night. Really, it's kind of like as if you were talking about, like, drinking someone in. It reminds me of that. You know, it's like something you'd find in a trashy romance novel. You meet someone, you have a, you know, you have a good time, and you just see them with, you know, you're just soaking up the ink and mm -hmm. all their tattoos. It's like that's, they no longer have clothes on, so that's that's all you see. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's huh. it's like, uh, yeah, this is this is my outfit. That's interesting. I like so maybe this is just where my mind went, and when I was thinking about it and it was one of my interpretations was thinking about tattoos in general you know just uh, maybe even from a, a, an observational viewpoint but i was also just thinking about the idea of ink in general you can't be close to ink without having it get its mark on you and yeah I thought, like it, as you consume that ink whatever that meant 
you know, I, I kind of kept it as in more of a broader sense, but as you absorb it, it's like that ink gets all over you too. And so yeah. it's like, there's like, I get ink on my fingers from my pen and it's just like, it, and it doesn't go away for many days and it just hangs off of you. Yeah. So I just like, I was just thinking it's like, you, it's one of those things where you just can't get enough of it because you're soaking it up all damn night, but it'll stick with you for like for a very long time i always love saying my interpretation probably of your words tells you more about me than it tells about you which is it's very that's what i love about songwriting no i'm into it well see that's the thing is i tell everybody is like when i sing the words i sing what they mean to me but they're everything is open for interpretation you know, there's so much music I've listened to over the years, and I know what it means to me and makes me feel the thoughts and images it provokes. You know, I hate when someone's like, no, this means that, yeah. you know, like as so a matter of factly, like I'm like, oh, thanks, dick. You just ruined that for me. Like, I mean, I could think of a hundred examples but when that happens. I'm just like, you're an asshole. Like. That's, right. that's not cool. Like, you just ruined that for me. I love having the... the t- what's great is, like, multiple interpretations can coexist in my mind while listening to it. And it's just, like, it's one of the things that's amazing about the human brain and music and as an expression is that overarching interpretation of the big picture. That's the great thing about having your own interpretation because... It can literally, you know, it can fit to you. I didn't become a punk rocker and start playing this type of music because, like, I wanted to find a little spot where I fit. Like, I wanted Mm. something that I could have be all-encompassing as much Mm. or as little as I want. Like, that's the great thing about it to me. Like I said before, even the name, like... It means whatever you want it to mean. I know what it meant to me, and I know what it means to me now. And, you know, none of it's wrong. Well, we'll have to save that for when I interview you about a a favorite song that you've written. So what's your favorite part of the album? You know, it's one of those things where it's like, who's your favorite kid? You know, you ask a parent that, and they're just like, well... I like, you know, this and that. But, uh, I mean, I just, from the top, I just love how it kicks in. Like mm-hmm. I said, it kicks in the teeth. It's like, it lets you know, it's like, hey, we're here. Turn it up. Pay attention. Like, I'm going to show you something. I think the transition of it's great. We talked about to the middle. You know, there's a song where I actually, like, sing on. Mm-hmm. That's something I never thought I'd do. Like, we joke around that's like, oh, that's the ballad. You know, like right. if we were an 80s hair band, they released the banger and then they released the ballad. And then, I, I don't know, Attic is pretty encompassing about, I mean, that just kind of speaks my story in a very small nuts nutshell. You know, because it's like, this is what I do. This is how I do it some more. Mm-hmm. And then it's like by the end of it, you know, realization that maybe this isn't the way because mm. it says, you know, loses its luster when you stay in the game. Can't stand to live a life that you don't want to claim I like that. We're just getting off the ground. Plans are to do a lot of shows to beef up the support of this album. We want to start getting out 
some more playing out of town out of state you know building up to where we can kind of maybe go shop it around to get pressed by some record companies you know distributors that that do this you need to do all those things right now because no one's gonna you know press 200 vinyls to sell if if you aren't out there making connections with other bands so like to try to hit out you know atlanta Atlanta's like a big hub for all all the stuff that I'm into yeah. right now. Uh, well, for a long while actually, and uh, yeah, we're already, we're already starting to write new stuff. Austin, thank you for coming all the way out here and telling me all about your album, losing the luster, and about Midnight Leg and your writing process. And it's just been a real pleasure just chatting about an album. Thanks, Finn. Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band Podcast. This is Austin Parker from Midnight Leg reminding you, you can find Losing the Luster out on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music. Great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. It's like a six-string blanket. You know, just warms you up.